Hello, welcome everyone. Thanks for listening once again, and a shout out to my international listeners. I truly appreciate it. This is Elliot with Touchstone Financial Education. I can be found at touchstonefinancialeducation.com, and you can shoot me a message, tell me what you think or what you'd like to hear, or perhaps a combination of both. Anyway, today I would like to talk about hiring a financial advisor. Now, my previous consult, I had talked about asset allocation, and I wanted to move into investments, but I've been getting a lot of questions in person, via email, etc., on this very topic. Should I hire someone to help me out? You know, so we're going to run through what that looks like, what you can expect from the relationship, and in a few minutes, I'm going to cover fiduciary responsibility. As we've all heard, seen banner ads, etc., fiduciary is touted these days as a component of prudent financial advisory. All right, so what does a financial advisor do for you? Okay, basically they manage your assets. That's it. You go meet with someone, whether they are an independent advisor, they work at a bank, or they work for a large company like Edward Jones or Ameriprise, and they will set up a portfolio for you and you develop a relationship from there. That's really it. You know, so how do I know if I need someone in that capacity? A few of the questions that I like to ask people um, just to kind of establish a criteria are things like, you know, do I like managing my own retirement and brokerage or taxable investments? Do I have time to do it? You know, do I know enough about investing to make it um, worth my time to do it myself? Or in the case of not knowing much about it, not having a lot of time or not knowing much about investing, should I go out and hire someone? Right. So if you don't have the time, you don't like managing it, and maybe you have a lump sum that you inherited or came across a lump sum of cash from some other source, it might be a good idea to sit down with an advisor and determine if this type of relationship is right for you. All right. Now, as for advisors, there are different types out there. Okay. The most common advisor that we might come across is in our bank branch. And I know this is very popular with a lot of older investors, all right? You still like the brick and mortar, nothing wrong with that. Most banks and credit unions today have advisors in their branch, or they have an advisor that floats between several different branches, all right? And what you can expect from this level of service um, can be pretty good. You know, most of the time, banks will hire advisors who have not as much experience as perhaps some of the other categories I will get to. This doesn't mean that they're not good because they'll be guided by hopefully advisors in the branch or in the bank in their region that can help them help you manage your resources. They're being guided, if you will, right? And, you know, you'll sit down, they'll get to know you. They'll probably ask you a few questions, right? Uh, most of them will be formal, and it is a very important rule in the advisory space. It's called Rule 405, uh, excuse me, 504. It's been a while. Um, know your customer, you know, so they'll want to know things like how much you make, where you work, when you plan on retiring, so on and so forth. But the true key to the relationship is not the formal questions, ladies and gentlemen. It is the informal component. That's what really makes the relationship. So if you find that 
through a bank advisor, hold on to that person. Even if they're promoted, move on, that's someone that you want to stick with. And I stress the informal component because from there, the advisor really gets an idea of who you are and what you're looking for, meaning they can glean from an informal conversation, just chatting, just getting to know you, what your risk profile is, all right? And that risk profile determines the kind of investments they will provide. Now, a risk profile, straightforward, is basically what kind of investments can you stomach, right? What can I teach you and then place your money in that you will be comfortable with? That's it. That's what a risk profile does, okay? And whether they're at a bank, a large corporation, they are independent, it's pretty much all the same. You know, they're going to go through, like I said, with the formal questions. And more importantly, if they are good, the informal component will determine the nature of your relationship and then ultimately the nature of the investments they find. Okay. Another hallmark, if you will, of a good advisor is someone who is not going to necessarily shove some paper in your face to sign on the first meeting. That's not good. You know, that's too salesy. And a lot of people shy away from meeting with advisors because that's what they are known for, right? Hey, let's sit down and sign the paperwork today. No, you want to sit down a couple of times before you commit to the relationship. And that's where, again, that informal component comes in. Someone's going to sit down, talk to you, review your goals. Yes, they'll ask you the formal questions, but they're going to spend some time getting to know you before they begin guiding the relationship towards one that is more formal. All right. So that's how bank advisors work, essentially, or good bank advisors. Okay. The next level of advisor is basically a corporate advisor. So somebody who would work for an Edward Jones or an Ameriprise, etc. All right. And basically, the, the development of the relationship is the same. No different. You know, they have to follow Rule 504. So they're going to ask you a series of formal questions. If they're good, they will also spend a lot of time on the informal component, getting to know you, your investment experience, who you are, what your goals are, what you're afraid of, all right? And from there, they can pick investments for you as well, all right? A lot of times what you're going to get too out of this level of advisor is perhaps some type of growth or income projection or retirement projection as well right? A little more detailed than perhaps you would get out of the bank. And in my opinion, that detail comes from perhaps more experience. Because at this level, yes, you know, the Edward Jones of the world, they do hire rookies. Uh, that's no secret. But they have a pretty intense training program and a lot of support for these folks. And they also hire more experienced advisors as well. Perhaps they came out of a bank and they're ready to try a different environment. So, the more experience they have, believe it or not, the more reliant they are on that informal, con um, that informal conversation as well as relationship. And of course, they're going to go ahead and drop those projections that everyone likes to see. And I think I'm going to do a, a podcast on how to read or what you can get from projections because I get a lot of questions on those as well. Um, the next level of advisor is an independent advisor, all right? These are people that perhaps are in your community, but they don't advertise. 
They work with an organization that supports them. We call it a platform, a trading platform, or the place where your assets assets are domiciled, okay? Um, Interestingly enough, I was on this level for a long time, and I really like what independent advisors have to say. Not to put my two cents in here, I'm trying to avoid that, but independent advisors have a lot more experience, obviously, because they can go out on their own and hang a shingle, right? They don't need the backing and the marketing strength of a large corporation, uh, including banks, for example. They tend to not like the larger corporate structure and tend to be more creative in how they approach their relationships with clients, as well as how they manage their resources. So chances are, if you hear about a independent advisor, you know, it's probably through a referral, coworker, friend, family member, etc. And I'd be willing to bet they're probably in business for at least a good 10 years. If they've been around at least 10, you know they're in it for the long haul, which means they are going to pursue, for the most part, that informal relationship. There's a good chance you might even become good friends over the years, right? And from that, then, they help to determine which direction your resources should be managed. That's, you know, less reliant on the more formal component, okay? And again, I like that approach. I think it helps us as advisors, and even though I'm not an advisor anymore, it helps because if I can understand what your true concerns are, then I can look past some type of formal questionnaire to best serve you. And that's key. You know, and also these folks, when you sit down with them, they're not going to put some piece of paper in your face to sign right away. Chances are you're going to have two or three different meetings, feel each other out, then you'll proceed with the more formal relationship. Now I'm going to back up for a second. I just wanted to run through the bank and the corporate and the independent advisor. Let's go through what everybody wants to know, which is the fee. What's the fee structure for these different levels of advisor? Okay. Uh, the bank and corporate levels, they tend to charge 1%, maybe one and a quarter to manage your assets on an annual basis. Um, banks, independent advisors as well, will have a minimum for a program like that. All right. So, you know, you've got 100,000 plus, it's going to be one to one and a quarter percent. All right. Um, independent advisors, mostly come in at the 0.75% to 1% fee range. Their fees are lower because they don't have the corporate overhead that they have to share their fees with, right? Which is kind of good because then they pass that savings on to you. They're good enough to where they can charge a lower fee and are probably more successful in the business anyway. Again, they've got enough clients to go out on their own, so it's a basic... Uh, you know, simple economics notion for them. And then ultimately for you, as far as I'm concerned, because they're not beholden to any investment product, they will place you where you need to be. Bank and corporate folks can do the same thing. However, there are structures in place where they might guide you towards investments, which are good, but it is a different type of environment. So when you think about meeting with an advisor, please keep all of that in mind fee structure, the type of organization they work for, how long they've been doing it, all right? And before this is over here in a few minutes, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some questions to ask an advisor if you decide you need to meet with one.
All right. But before I do, I really would like to talk about fiduciary because about the last five or seven years, whether it be a banner ad on the radio or on TV, everybody's touting fiduciary, fiduciary, fiduciary. What does that mean? All right. We've all seen the commercials. <clears throat> that just means that they have to place your needs first. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, anybody who is licensed in this business going all the way back to the 80s, and I have to stress this, anybody who's licensed to manage resources, to uh, prepare a financial document in regards to a projection, etc., if they are in the business, they are a fiduciary and so is the organization that holds their license. They are too a fiduciary right? There are some regulatory components related to that, but you know, it, it's, it's been around a long time. I think it's being touted today to ensure that there are people out there who will keep your best interest in mind. Now, I don't want to dig too much into uh, the regulatory weeds, if you will, but it's always been there. You know, they have to keep your best interest at heart and in mind and prove it on paper. They can't sell you a product that would go against um, or violate your risk profile, for example. Now, this is not a guarantee that they will make you money, okay? This is not a guarantee that your time with this person will be pleasant, all right? All this says is there is a regulatory component. There are some rules in place that they have to follow at a bare minimum to ensure that your needs are potentially met. Again, has no bearing on whether they make you or lose your money, all right? So as you think about meeting with someone, please keep that in mind. It's, it's become more of a, a marketing tool to keep people interested or engaged with financial advisors at a time when the technology to manage your resources is actually very good. I mean, what we have in our phones today alone, I had two computers on a desk and a Bloomberg terminal and an office to handle, which is amazing. I mean, it's hats off to the people in fintech for the things they are creating, especially for people who want to try it on their own. So to keep people in this industry, to make the industry relevant, fiduciary responsibility is touted. But again, I have to stress that has no bearing potentially on the relationship, the informal relationship, and it has no bearing on how the assets will do once they place your money in the markets. Doesn't matter whether you're using mutual funds, ETF, stocks, options, whatever it is you guys decide to do, okay, has no bearing. Now, as for what to ask of a potential uh, advisor for you and your family, etc., all right? At the bank and corporate level, you know, you could still ask some of these questions, but I'm going to be more poignant with the questions that you would ask an independent advisor because they tend to be a little more complex in their approach towards investing. As I stated, they've got a lot more experience, all right? But when we're sitting down with a bank or a corporate advisor, we walk into our local branch, hey, I want to meet with somebody to talk about my IRA rollover, or, you know, I got an old 401k, whatever you want to call it, maybe some brokerage money, taxable investing money, all right? Those kind of accounts, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I covered in the basics of retirement a few podcasts ago, so please take a listen to that. Now, what do I ask? You know, how long have you been in the business? What's the average size of the account that you manage? 
do you include cash-producing life insurance policies in your portfolios? And cash-producing life insurance policies are variable annuities, index universal life, whole life policies. And there's quite a few others that I'm not going to get into today, but I will circle back to that issue most definitely. All right. Um, What's your approach to investing? Do you buy and hold? Do you use mutual funds and ETFs? Do you also incorporate stocks into the mix? What's your overall approach or ethos to the market? And let's see if that squares with mine. All right. That question can get a little lengthy, but again, ideally, they are not there to place you in a program that they develop for themselves, but one meant for you. Again, that fiduciary component that's been on the books for the last 40 plus years. Okay. Now, as for the independent advisor, one of the questions I like to see people ask is, you know, can I speak to any of your existing clients just to get a feel for who you are? You know, I heard about you through my friend. I know what you kind of did for them. Is there anybody else that I can speak to? Any advisor worth their weight in gold will be happy to let you speak to any of their clients. Okay, full stop. All right, that just goes to their experience. As far as I'm concerned, their ethical responsibility, which is a component of that fiduciary responsibility. But it is, again, it's informal, ladies and gentlemen. That's where the relationship should be built. Okay, so how long have you been doing it? What's the average size of the account you manage? Do you include life insurance that is more like an investment as opposed to just an estate planning tool? And what's your approach to investing? You know, what do you see going on today? Should we be adding money? So on and so forth. Those kind of questions should be asked. And they shouldn't pressure you to sign anything that day either. Get up, walk out, think about it. Call them back, schedule another meeting if you like that person. All right. So those are the basics of hiring a financial advisor. Again, I know in this environment, there are some wonderful tools. If you're one of those people who are good at investing, want to learn about investing, then perhaps this podcast wasn't for you, but thanks for listening anyway. Um, This is for the people who don't know much about the markets, don't want to know because they're too busy, and maybe they'll learn later, but right now is not the time. Maybe you came across a lump sum of money and you're just a little nervous about doing it yourself, all right? That's what this podcast is for today. And also, ladies and gentlemen, I got to say, please check me out at touchstonefinancialeducation.com. Even though I no longer am a financial advisor, I do provide coaching services. So if you have some specific questions about what you're doing, where you are, especially in these crazy markets since like last November for most of the market and last March for technology and cryptos, uh, shoot me an email. Go to touchstonefinancialeducation.com. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Again, this is Elliot with Touchstone Financial Education, and thanks once again for listening.